Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is the Clone Wars Report. <laughs> Now that is a wonderful sound. I would imagine that is like that that's like a, a cash register, right? That is the credits <laughs> of the Republic falling under the control and into the pockets of Sheev Palpatine, right? I think you're right. I think I also meant it as the Game of Thrones slots. But yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> the Game of Thrones slots in Vegas. I wish that uh Clone Wars was so popular that there were international or uh, intergalactic <laughs> banking clan <laughs> casino machines. Kind of is, yeah, kind of is. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a thing to be celebrated, I guess, yeah. but we celebrate that storytelling in this arc. Also sounded like you are going to start some Star Wars version of uh, of the song Money by Pink Floyd, so all <laughs> very appropriate, very appropriate. All, all relative, all relative. Yeah, so we are going to dive into this uh, Curse of Clovis, how Palpatine got not his groove back, but the bank's back in his pocket. Uh, the episodes in this arc are Season 6, Episode 5, An Old Friend, written by Christian Taylor and directed by Brian Kalen O'Connell. 
Season 6, Episode 6, The Rise of Clovis, written by Christian Taylor and directed by Danny Keller. Season 6, Episode 7, Crisis at the Heart, written again by Christian Taylor and directed by Stuart Lee. Ken, are you, uh, are you having any more reactions to our, our tracking of the writers and directors? I, other than I love seeing the, the, the names you know, in bulk. I, I love that a writer gets to sit down and handle each arc. And it, it, and it's more, uh, as the Clone Wars goes on, we, we, as we've learned, like the arcs get a little longer and there's more chunks. But this one's only three episodes, which seemed like almost a Christmas vacation when we sat down to do the notes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's just been kind of fun to just track who's, uh, who's getting it. And I'd love to dig into, you know, how that happened, writer's rooms and all that kind of stuff. It's an interesting experience, of course, but like, you know, is Christian Taylor like, oh, I, I'll take that. I really have some thoughts on banks and war time <laughs> banking and funding. You know, just love to see that. Yeah, it's a fascinating way to look, certainly at season five, which had these bigger arcs. But now when we get into this uh, this lost, uh, you know, episodes of season mm. six that were on Netflix, right, that you're we're getting like in season seven, these arcs that are okay they had to sit down and really choose what story must we tell right Mm -hmm. and that makes it even more interesting to me of not only all these directors who've been been in in, uh the pantheon of clone wars directors forever but these writers given these arcs that are uh almost there's no like let's wander around and see what's over there you know yeah uh there is within the ideas but there's the like we must we have uh, selected out of all of these ideas that we have to tell this story who's going to tell it yeah, no, and this and this one as we're going to get in is, is is very big for Star Wars, the the overall saga going forward, and this one being so connected to the pre- previous uh, excuse me previous appearances of Clovis. Uh, I've read a little bit how it was originally supposed to be tied to that arc more closely. They split it up, and then of course season five was where this might have ended, and they don't get that chance. And uh, blessed to have season six; it's some of the best stuff. So the lost season, the lost uh, episodes, it's a blessing indeed. Yeah, it's really great to know that they were always heading this way, that some things were inevitable in the writing, yep. just like in the actual Clone Wars. Uh, mm-hmm. With that, you ready for the summary? Oh, please. Uh, it, I will note this. I think on the second or third, I can't, I made a note, but the second or third episode, I was like, Tom Kane's, Tom Kane's announcer is doing a scrimshaw summary. It's this is great. (laughs) There's definitely some of those where where Tom King was a champion in these, where some of them are a little bit more war has broken out, thrilling, daring escape. And like, anyway, more (laughs) some fiduciary responsibilities were picked out and selected. Like, yeah, he's doing a great work, making it sound (laughs) exciting. And it is. We're going to get into it. it. Uh, We're get into it uh, right now with a summary, which begins this way. Consequences. As the war rages on, more and more citizens of the galaxy are displaced by the brutal conflict. Padme Amidala is determined to help the many war refugees, but to do this, the Republic needs money. To secure the funds, Padme agrees to voyage to the planet Scipio, home of the Mun people and the Banking Clan, an allegedly neutral organization that loans money for the war chests of both the Separatists and the Republic. The Banking Clan is also the primary financial institution for the entire galaxy, so its collapse would mean the destruction of the entire galactic economy, which would lead, of course, to more suffering. Due to the Banking Clan's neutrality and galactic importance, it's vital that the war not come to Scipio. Padme plans on negotiating the specifics of the Republic's next loan and ensure its speedy delivery, but instead becomes embroiled in a deadly conspiracy. The Mune's representative turns out to be Rush Clovis, former senator and friend to Padme, who betrayed the Republic to the Separatists and almost got Padme killed, which weighs on his conscience 
as Rush feels passionate but unrequited love for Padme. Rush talks Padme into a plot to secretly steal files from the blanking clan's vault to prove the horrible truth. Someone is embezzling funds, leaving no money for the Republic, and risking the collapse of the banking clan. In the process of this daring raid, Padme's friend and assistant Tekla Minrao is killed by the Kyozo bounty hunter Embo, and Padme herself is arrested. Dispatched by Chancellor Palpatine, Jedi Knight Anakin Skywalker arrives to release Padme from prison. Anakin is immediately gripped by furious jealousy when he learns Padme is working with Rush Clovis. Together, the secretly married duo venture to Clovis's secluded snowy mountain bachelor pad. They retrieve the files, proving corruption, but are attacked by Embo. After a harrowing chase down the mountain, the three escape. Embo contacts his employer, Darth Sidious, who is pleased that Embo's work has escalated the conflict. Returning to Coruscant, Palpatine instructs Padme to work very closely with Clovis to find a solution. Seething, Anakin demands Padme refuse the assignment. Padme refuses Anakin's refusal, telling Anakin this isn't about Clovis or their marriage. She's committed to rooting out the corruption at the banks for the greater good of the Republic and its people. Meanwhile, Palpatine, in his guise as Darth Sidious, contacts his Sith apprentice Darth Tyrannus, a.k.a. Dooku, and instructs him to entrap Clovis. Also, meanwhile, Obi-Wan Kenobi pays a visit to Anakin's room in the Jedi Temple, apparently enjoying a no-knock privilege and just walking right in. Obi-Wan knows Anakin has strong feelings for Padme. He shares the truth that uh, he understands as he once harbored feelings for Satine. Anakin does not accept this invitation to open up, and Obi-Wan reminds him his first duty is to the Jedi Order. Clovis and Padme discover the Separatists are not paying interest on their loans and the volume of credits funneled to secret accounts means there is no money for the Republic, nothing for the war effort, and nothing to help the victims of the conflict. Clovis shares his personal history with Padme. He was orphaned and taken in by a prominent Mune banker and raised as his own. Clovis mistakes Padme's empathy for passion and goes in for an unwanted kiss just as Anakin walks in. Again, no knock. Anakin releases his fury and pummels Clovis, almost killing him. Padme is very upset. She tells Anakin their marriage is built on lies and deception. Without trust, they have no marriage at all. She tells a guilty and crestfallen Anakin she does not want to see him for a while. Meanwhile, the medic droid tending to Clovis turns out to be an agent of Dooku. The Count's hologram appears and offers Clovis what he desperately wants, the truth of who holds the secret accounts, and to provide stability, the Separatists will help install Clovis as the leader of the banking clan. Despite his distrust of Dooku, Clovis takes the deal. He reveals the secret accounts are held by the five ruling council members of the banking clan. They are arrested, and with the support of the Mune people, the Separatist Senate, and a resounding yes vote from the Republic Senate, Clovis takes control of the banking clan. Delegates of the Republic and the Separatists oversee the transition, Padme Amidala and Separatist leader Beck Lawise. But Dooku immediately springs his master Sidious's trap. The Separatists will continue to pay no interest on the loans. In order to avoid collapse, the bank will have to raise rates on the Republic. To further incur the wrath of the Republic, Dooku has Separatist droids attack the Republic garrison on Scipio. When Beck Lawise protests, Dooku uses the force to make Padme shoot him down. Palpatine dispatches Republic forces to Scipio, led by Anakin Skywalker, who Palpatine knows is desperate to save his endangered wife. In a high office overlooking the horrible war that has come to Scipio, 
Padme tells Clovis to turn himself in, but Clovis reacts in fear when Anakin arrives. He holds Padme hostage, but clone pilot Hawk shoots down a vulture droid that hits the tower. Anakin manages to catch Padme and Clovis as they dangle over the edge of the debris, but he can't hold both. To save Padme, Clovis lets go and falls to his doom. Anakin and Padme hold one another as Padme apologizes and Anakin promises it's over now. And indeed it is for the independence of the banks. Mune leadership blames Clovis for the corruption and willingly cedes control of the banks to the office of the Chancellor of the Republic. Blinded by their fear of the separatists, the Republic Senate welcomes this dangerous consolidation of power, cheering long live the banks. Palpatine smiles. An important part of his master plan is complete. The end. Mm. Beautiful. <laughs> and Beautiful. Bunnies dance and birds sing. A happy ending to a happy <laughs> yeah. arc, right, Ken? Such a such a just a, a just family friendly, you know. <laughs> love love prevails. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So a little bit of a longer summary again, but I was really trying to work in all of the details of what is actually going on in the yeah. big picture story as well as the personal. So, Ken, what was your overall reaction to this arc? You love it, you like it, struggle with it, a big difference from when you first watched it. Where do you go? Yeah, I, I, a lot of that is seems to be happening with me, uh, this, this kind of change, big difference. Uh, I've always enjoyed this one, but I think we should discuss a little bit of just what this is remembered for from a distance is this uh particularly the scene of, of well this is the one where anakin beats up clovis and he throws away his lightsaber and does it with his fists which by the way one's metal uh that's kind of an advantage <laughs> um and i and I, I think that's that's uh that is a big part of this episode it, it is what it is uh and it's I, I know some friends who always point this one out of oh this is what the clone wars was doing it was letting us know how anakin fell and I think it's so much more than that, which is not to take away anyone's thoughts on that Anakin mom. Or we're going to discuss it, but I love digging back in, even for myself, just to really spend some time with what's going on and and, and how that Anakin and Clovis thing is 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 foreshadowing, right? In some ways, to some people, and, and I suppose it is. But there's just so much more going on with Padme. This is very much about her and her arc. Very much Palpatine's Phantom Menacing <laughs> arc. Big one. We're going to talk about that. And, and just obviously a bigger statement of, of Clone Wars, uh, of, of wars and government and banks and credits and funding and all those kind of things as well. But if I may, as I close here, Joseph, I, I do want to, the Anakin foreshadowing is to me uh, far less about his rage. It's there and his physical actions. It's the lesson in front of him that Clovis kind of makes a deal with the dark side in an effort to gain power and protect himself or whatever he's looking to protect will dig in and, and he pays for it. And, and also Clovis might not have set out on this deal. It just kind of came uh, about like Anakin yeah. and he finds himself there. And this is once again, the clone Wars putting things in front of Anakin from electrocutions to, Hey, Grievous is this or this. You make a deal with the dark side, the dark side will win. It will entrap you. It will pull you in. And that's more of the foreshadowing, I, I think, is in this episode than a long fight scene, which is something we'll talk about. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, we will dig into all of this, but I think you're you're so right. Uh, I think the Clovis and Anakin are, are so similar, and Anakin can mm -hmm. uh, see that. And it, yeah, it, it doesn't just kind of happen. Clovis is on a kind of righteous path, actually mm -hmm. figure out what the corruption is because the bank is too important to the galaxy. It's too important to him personally and his legacy. He's doing the right thing. And Palpatine's like, yeah. that's not going to work. So I'll give him 
the easier path and yeah. he takes it. Yeah. Much, yep. much like Anakin will do uh, yeah. an alleged direct line to solve your problem, which is actually not a solution to your problem at all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think for me, this is, uh, uh, I love that you point this out. I think this is uh, one of uh, uh, the most important arcs and in, in, in one that I don't feel like is discussed as much, which I understand why, because it is, it is an odd uh, collection, but uh, of, of ideas and moments. And there are things that are so exciting and intriguing and connect to larger questions. Um, like the scene of, of Anakin and mm. multiple scenes of Anakin and Padme really dealing with their marriage, Padme's doubt, Anakin's fury, um, yep. incredibly important and amazing moment to Anakin and Obi-Wan's journey to have that attempt at an intimate conversation, mm. which is, is just like, it's so tragic. Cause like more of this earlier, could have made yeah. a difference you know yeah. when obi-wan says i failed him maybe that's a part of it of more of that earlier <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so those those things are are great they're flashy they're important but i feel like a lot of what this arc is about is that um hey if you felt like the opening setup for the phantom menace was boring with like taxes and rules and red mm-hmm. tape like that's so the mission of the prequel era storytelling or one of the missions is to say all that stuff is really, really important. Uh, It can sound boring and in real life and just filling out forms and, (laughs) you know, percentages and mortgages and adult stuff. Uh, It can sound really boring, but I think like this arc in a way is almost making that argument that like, don't be bored by that stuff. Cause sometimes being bored by it (laughs) Mm -hmm. is the way who people who control it and want to control it, get you to not pay attention to it. Uh, yes. Um, and I feel like yes. that's actually, you know, I was so looking forward to, to rewatching this arc because I love that it was about Palpatine consolidating his power, taking mm-hmm. over this. It's huge. It's massive. I understand like in the canon of star Wars, it's not, you know, talked about a huge amount, but in the story of what happened to the galaxy, it's mm-hmm. massive. <laughs> that he takes over the banks it's huge right Uh, so I remembered it for that and then I also remembered all the personal stuff but what I didn't really remember until I or or pick up on until I watched this arc is I feel like that's the the mashup of the very personal and the very large and political is Mm -hmm. the main point of the arc to me of how Mm -hmm. how they interact and how one can distract the other in who in which characters are focused on the big picture in which characters are distracted by the intimate and the personal. Yes. And we got Anakin playing with his little cat toy in the corner, focused on the wrong things, the intimate <laughs> and the personal, which actually I should say it's, it's important too. Yeah, no, you're so right. Yeah. And, and, and to skip to, to, to a different part of the discussion, we'll come back later. Uh, how important is this arc? Palpatine can now fund his empire. It's pretty huge. And decides huge. where money goes to other people and who yeah. gets what, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, control of the entire economic system of the galaxy is kind yeah. of important. Well, uh, it's we always have over the years here at Force Center, uh, you know, made reference or made jokes of in, in a good way of just like I love that the next morning Palpatine declares a safe and secure society, and the next morning there's new uniforms, there's new ships, there's all the stuff, and it's like. Ah, cool. How did that happen? Well, he also, he had some, he had some credit to make it happen. There's all these little practical things, uh, which is, is going back to that. We were talking about with the beginning of the Phantom Menace, 
I get why in 1999 that wasn't exciting to a lot of people. It wasn't exciting to me. But George going, how did, how did you fall? It's not one crazy wizard wanting to have power. That's the top of it. But he does that by all these little steps. So pay attention. So big points. Big episodes. Yeah. It is, he, he breaks Anakin and the Republic uh, with fear. And mm-hmm. yeah, and this is arc is about that. Also, for me, I, I, I've always loved the Embo scenes. Uh, but looking at it again, it just feels like a great riff on on Her Majesty's Secret Service. I forgot that his bachelor pad looks like Blofeld's yep. uh, base, which is uh, you know a real life place uh, that one can visit, and I hope to someday. But then I forgot yeah. that it's entirely you know a wintry <laughs> ski, and you know the uh, the Winter Olympics chase down the mountain that happens. Yeah more than once in uh, on her majesty's secret service so hey great political story great personal story on her majesty's secret service riff intended or not uh I, i'm in heaven yeah yeah and and embo and, and embo come on and yeah anyway uh i will mm-hmm. enthuse more about that uh, action scene later oh, yeah. uh moving on then to the morals of the episode three episodes three morals we got to love is to trust to trust is to believe jealousy is the path to chaos deceit is the weapon of greed. Uh, which one of these? <laughs> I was laughing writing these down because we often do talk about uh, your, your time as a, as a baseball coach and how some of these uh, <laughs> would work. And in, in, as we get into the more brutal parts of the of the Clone Wars, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm imagining you uh, leaning down to, to some kid <laughs> learning baseball and going, remember, kid, deceit is the weapon of greed. Like, does it track? Uh, yeah, it could, it could based on recent baseball scandals of, uh, widespread <laughs> cheating. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it tracks, uh, and, and you gotta, you gotta trust your teammates, man. You gotta believe in them. Uh, absolutely. You can always turn anything into a good lesson for a little leaguer. Yeah. To love is to trust, to trust is to believe. That's a good one. Jealousy mm. is the path to chaos. That one might be my favorite. Yeah, um, me too, me too. Right? Because there's a lot of, of great quotes about jealousy and it's the way it works to for greed and possession and fear and falling to the dark side. Mm. But is a path to chaos, right? Mm. Uh, that idea that you would get so blinded that you start making choices that you don't want to and you leave your own life in chaos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Uh, that that resonates in uh, in a lot of different ways. And, and jealousy, something we all struggle with, right? Hey, no secret oh, yeah. here. So we turn Clone Wars into uh, into a self help uh, episode, as we often do. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that, that would just kind of struck out just because it's it's a small thing uh, on paper. You might just think of all the things to be worried about. Ah, a little jealousy of uh, ah, I like that gig that person got, and I don't get. Uh, it's just amazing how that can poison the well in so many different ways, and, and something I struggle with uh, and, and try to fight, and don't want to become Anakin here. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I do think it's powerful in, in terms of uh, self-help yeah. <laughs> Clone Wars. I think often what I take from Star Wars is to feel these things is natural mm-hmm. um, and something that you got to work through. Yeah. But to act on them is often where the harm comes, right? It's dangerous to, you know, sit and stew in them and, and that kind of poisons yourself. But I guess that does translate to action because then, you know, yeah. what what bad choices do you make, uh, you know, because you know, you see somebody else with something shiny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe you go off your own path to chase that just because you're like, that person has a ball. I want a ball. I'm like, remember your whole life goal wasn't to have a ball. You're just jealous that that other person has a ball. And <laughs> yeah. Now you have absolutely forgotten your quest for a square. That was actually more meaningful to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, 
Uh, absolutely. And that use of the word chaos is great. Uh, and, you know, to you know, borrow a, a Baelish in Game of Thrones is chaos is a ladder. What a great, wonderful bumper sticker theme. But chaos is so dangerous because then someone like Palpatine's like, yeah, it's a ladder. And look exactly what happens in this arc. Jealousy uh, fuels so much of it. All these little things are happening. And there's Palpatine just cackling his way to the top. Oh, yeah. He he is masterful. So unless you have any other moral thoughts, let's dive into the, the big themes, the big ideas at stake in the episode. Uh, ready to move on? I'm not full of many morals, so go for it. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. So for you, uh, how did you encapsulate some of the, the big ideas or themes at stake in this arc? Well, so we'll start with kind of what was, was touching here. I, I put this idea to uh, the building blocks of rage that lead to suffering and so many other things that just looking at particularly looking at some of Anakin's stuff going on, small, subtle, then explosive. And going back to jealousy, jealousy is about power, right? It's also about your lack of maybe control, your lack of focus. Uh, you're not getting what you want or fear of losing what you have. And there that fear mm-hmm. word comes into place. And I love, uh, you know, some of my favorite moments in this, and I, I'm sure you have some thoughts we'll discuss, Obi-Wan's after school special uh, near moment <laughs> with Anakin. It's pretty powerful. It's pretty interesting to watch that and, and, and to find Anakin tinkering. The only time he feels he has control, right, is when he can repair mm-hmm. things or fix things. And he's just awash in jealousy. He's awash in all of that, which, as Yoda says a little bit later, is all about selfishness. It's all uh, egocentric. It's all about you and what's uh, the mirror, your reflection. It's not about anyone else around you. And then he's even got this pod race poster, which has always <laughs> been a fun Easter egg. And it is a fun Easter egg. Quadraneros versus Sebulba, the, the rivalry of the galaxy. And it's, it's sitting in his room. He's just stewing in his attachment to the past because you can't look at that poster and not think of when you first met Padme and when you've been pining for Padme and that life you had. And it's not that he, I don't think it's wrong that he can think of Shmi or the time he won the race. And that's, again, that's normal and, and natural. Like you said, it's all about the choices. And all of this is very subtle building blocks for these big things. So, yes, him punching Clovis, which we'll talk about, is rage. And that's Vader emerging. It is being built in his room under a poster and attachment. And then that leads to everything going on. And then wanting what he wants and wanting to control. And then when he, when he fears, uh, feels uh, Padme is not with him, it's, it's jealousy of the situation, a lack of power, a lack of control. And boom, explodes. And look what we got. Yeah, I, I really, really agree with you. I think that Anna, seeing Anakin's room is so fun. We've seen other fun. Jedi Jedi rooms that that have very little in them, right? And mm. he has. I put it in the canon section. We can discuss every single thing that he has. <laughs> yeah, 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 in his room because there's a danger of that uh, becoming the entire podcast because it's so fascinating. Uh, yeah. But every little thing in there has meaning, including that he's got just a bunch of what I think of as Star Wars boxes. You know, yeah. Um, the that specific design but like he has like crates of stuff like in comparison to like we just in a previous recent arc saw barris's room mm-hmm. right she's mm-hmm. got a bed and just like a, a a couple of what what look like you know cultural artifacts from yeah from her people right yeah. that's what I, I guess that's i'm just totally headcanning that i haven't looked it up but it's like mm-hmm. You know, and he's like, I got a workstation. I got a poster about an awesome thing I did <laughs> where I met the love of my life. Uh, I got crates and crates of stuff. I got, you know, anyway, we'll, we'll get into yeah. all that. But yeah, yeah we'll get it is really about not being able to let go and centering on what makes him feel 
in control. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. In, yeah, in what he does not want to want to leave behind, and always room to discuss. You know, if if uh, as individuals we agree with that Jedi philosophy of, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, totally not uh, possessing any any physical objects and all that. I think um, sometimes mm-hmm. there's an overlap between analyzing that story in Star Wars or that philosophy in Star Wars. Yeah, with whether or not each of us individually personally agree with it, and I think that's always an interesting thing. Mm. Uh, to discuss but for the themes in the life lessons of star wars yeah it's <laughs> yeah it, it, he's he is loaded with baggage uh, and with things that he fears to lose yeah absolutely no and it, yeah it's a wonderful question but i i, I, I think it goes back to the thing you said up top that i absolutely love and it's something we always talk about the choices 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 we throw that word around a lot here in star wars land but that's i think what anakin or excuse me what kenobi's getting at right and just uh, the moment passes unfortunately because anakin doesn't choose that doesn't choose that discussion yeah i mean it really is like obi-wan just like cracks the door open a little bit and being like Mm -hmm. do you want to come through into this room that is scary for both of us and anakin's like bleep no (laughs) (laughs) and shuts the door that to me is what that conversation is about in in many ways um yeah i really i I think you're really diving into uh, uh this thing that's going on with anakin that for me, is the the biggest idea of this arc. There's a lot about trust. Obviously, some of the morals are about trust. I, I think we can talk about a lot of the moments of who trusts who and when and why. But for me, the heart of this is the idea of the personal versus the bigger picture. Mm. And I think Star Wars is often making an argument for the individual does need to have, um, the individual is very important because they make, choices and it's important that everybody is valued and everybody feels important and fulfilled but there's also such a strong thread in star wars that heroism is often being selfless and saying i need to set what i need aside uh for the bigger picture or in order to find fulfillment in myself it the way i find self-fulfillment is by contributing to the group into the larger picture and Mm -hmm. i feel like that tension is driving everyone. Padme is being selfless, as she often is, right? She yeah. suffers yet another loss of, of her assistant and friend, Tekla. The mm-hmm. discomfort of being around Clovis, I think this arc makes it more clear than I remembered of. She's like, I have empathy for you. I have some some fond memories of some good stuff we did in the Senate, but I don't really, I don't uh-huh. try really trust you and you creep me out, you know? Yeah. But she uh, goes through that discomfort, plus the tension in, in her marriage all because she wants the truth of the big picture. This is one of those episodes where listening to that newsreel announcer at the beginning is so important. The first lines of this tell you, why is this important to Padme? Mm. Because the galaxy is full of war refugees. And she's not like, great, we need to re-up our money because we need to to buy more, mm. you know, uh, lats. She's like, we need this money to help people. That's why she is so... Uh, determined on this, right? And when yeah. she fights with Anakin about it, she is kind of explicit about this. She says, Anakin, you're not helping things. You don't seem to understand how important these files are. They'll expose a corruption that goes to the very core of the banking clan. Like she mm-hmm. keeps reminding him, this isn't about me hanging out with Clovis or what? Yeah. This is nothing about nothing but the big picture. Mm. And then everything for Anakin is being pushed by himself and Palpatine into focusing on the personal rather than the big picture, right? Like Mm. Palpatine, I think, has got this great plan going where this whole arc, he is aware of like, yeah, no, this is a long game for me to take control 
of the banks. And also, the clock is ticking, and I got to put more pressure on Anakin. And yeah. he, this is one of those arcs where he is actively making things worse for Anakin, right? So he manipulates Anakin into this position <laughs> yeah. where he will be focused on the personal and blind to the big picture, right? Like uh, <laughs> saying right in front of Anakin, like, oh, Padme, you'll have to work very closely to Clovis. I think you should go to the opera and wear a nice dress. Like he's so <laughs> just pushing that button in yeah. front of everybody, you know? Well, there again, he's 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 pushing in the the, the microscope to to see up close, and and when we all are focused on on self and not in the mental health, take care of yourself way. When you're focused on your your own desires and needs, you're disconnected from so much. And I think it's great that Padme and uh, like her her uh, mother Leia has a lot of that going on as well. We always talk about that steadfast nature. To me, mm-hmm. is just about fighting for the big picture. It's it's important. Yeah, it's important to Padme, and it's it's no small uh, choice to have Tekla there and what Tekla represents to that story of uh, the the true victims of the war and and refugees and that that, that big arc there. And uh, she sacrifices for that greater good. Unfortunately, we'll talk about embo uh, mm-hmm. later on um yeah so yeah i love what you're saying i love that and i love once again we, you know we'll probably repeat a few times palpatine just pushing in pushing in that camera so you only see yourself how dangerous that can be yeah no and you laid it out really well all, all the way there's a, that we're kind of see that anakin is obsessed mm-hmm. with his past and with his jealousy yeah. and his fear and his personal needs uh, you know demanding uh that Padme step down. I demand that you tell the chancellor you are stepping down. And then once he has that violent outburst, I think another part of this is, is you can see that he's got all this anger and this fury. He doesn't quite understand where he's, where it's coming from. Cause he's not doing self-examination. Mm-hmm. And when he does break and do this awful thing, he starts to question stuff, right? Like mm. he, he starts to question, why would Clovis do this? And, you know, he gets that, that, line from Yoda that you were talking about of correct you were about Clovis but let go of your selfishness you must if you are to see clearly Mm -hmm. and that's even like Yoda's now like hey you're right Clovis is is you know the jerk in this which Yoda's being hoodwinked right because Clovis initially wasn't Mm -hmm. the jerk Mm -hmm. but now he's like hey you're right Anakin did not trust that Clovis guy but still Mm -hmm. make sure this isn't about you and Palpatine once again then swoops in to make Mm -hmm. it about the personal right because Anakin starts questioning Palpatine you know at the end of that second episode, Anakin starts says to to Palpatine, you know, yeah, I know we gotta we gotta figure out exactly what's going on and, and push things with the banking clan, but but people have been hurt, could be hurt in the process. Like he's starting for a second there to question Palpatine, look at the bigger picture, mm-hmm. and in response, Palpatine's like, ah, hey, your precious wife is in danger again, so don't mm-hmm. think at all about the fact that I'm sending you to Scipio to violently take the banks. I'm mm-hmm. sending you to save your wife. And focus on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the, I, I love that your brother, mo- that moment up with Yoda, because it certainly doesn't feel like a win for Anakin at that moment. Cause it's not quite, it's uh, Hey, you're right about Clovis. I mean, how you got there completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. Not about actually analyzing the larger, larger uh, sociopolitical galactic yeah. situation, but you just like y- uh, y- your wife blinked at him once and you, you know, you can't, <laughs> you yeah. can't handle that. You can't. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, and, and and just a, that that's a real, real, just great example, a fine point of of what we're talking about here. Of just when, once Anakin pulls back, maybe releases a little bit of that that attachment to self and 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 desires, he does see it, does start to see clear. So great lesson. Did you learn it, Anakin? We'll ask you later. 
Yeah. And then I think that that's really important that Anakin is having these opportunities to pull back, like you're saying, and focus on what Padme is focusing on. Like the what is happening with the banks, you know, the corruption and who is in control of them. And if they stabilize is of vital importance to real people all over the galaxy. And Anakin is being stopped from thinking about that at all. And then that conversation with Obi-Wan, which I love so much, and, and we can dive into from so many perspectives about attachment and uh, Kenobi and, and Anakin's relationship. But I was struck by ultimately that conversation comes back to the personal and the big picture as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, When when Obi-Wan says, you know, you know, I once harbored feelings for her. It's not that we're not allowed to have these feelings. It's natural. And Anakin gets defensive and says, Senator Amidal and I are just friends. Uh, Obi-Wan says, and friends, you must remain. As a Jedi, it is essentially make the right choice, Anakin, for the order. So the Mm -hmm. end of that conversation is Obi-Wan saying, hey, a part of this is uh, sometimes if we get too obsessed with our personal relationships and our personal needs, we forget that we have made out of choice a commitment to this larger thing to be a, uh, to be servants of the order of the force uh, of helping people. Yeah. And it's also Obi-Wan kind of making the same argument to him that Padme is of like, Anakin, please remember that you've made a commitment to the big picture. Yeah. Yeah, please. And, and, and which I, you can hear you discuss that. It made me think of uh, some stuff going on with ah- Ahsoka and the order and how that's also the danger of when the order starts to, slip away from its values focus on the values i think uh, kenobi would eventually agree with that even though he had a part in ahsoka's thing uh anyways well that that was last check out last uh that last uh, arc review it's just fascinating it's all it happened it just all, all ties together and the danger uh, danger of it all it is a slippery slope and, and, and yeah. that, guess what so's life i also just really like that obi-wan has this conversation and he could absolutely sit down on that bed facing anakin oh, but i yes. really appreciate mm. that he's like I'm going to kind of try to open this door, but I'm going to sit with my back to him. <laughs> I loved that. I love that for so many reasons, whether it's kind of the comical of uh, Apu and Homer, I'll turn my back and uh, who takes, whoever takes the money. I think Wiggum's there in that scene as well. Uh, love that. Love that point. It, it just, um, it just, it just, it also humanized it so much of just, it's also just uh, the awkward, uncomfortable nature of discussing things that are hard to discuss it's probably probably hard for both of them. Yeah, yeah, no, and I I, I just think it's uh, man, I love that scene. Uh, and, and then really he turn, and then Obi Wan actually does turn around when he gets back to just uh, traditional lectures of what you can and can't do. Yeah, <laughs> like that's the way he's comfortable talking to, yeah. to Anakin. Yeah, um, yeah, and then uh, kind of final thing for me on this, uh, you know, personal and the big picture is I think that's what's intention with Clovis too, right? Of this mm-hmm. question of is his motivation. Uh, a desire to climb the ranks of the banking clans or is it truly in what is the best interest in the banks because Mm -hmm. he has a a love of them a legacy connection to them through his Mm -hmm. adoptive family and that the health of the banks you know makes this big impact on the actual health of the galaxy and individuals in the galaxy and I kind of feel like the the story is that at first, he he is absolutely committed to the right cause, right? He's taking yeah. these huge risks to expose uh, the banking clan. He's being an absolute creep when it comes to his personal relationship mm-hmm. <laughs> with mm-hmm. Padme. Um, but when Dooku offers him this devil's deal, he I think he's kind of lying to himself that he's doing it to save the banks, but he's also relishing 
this fast track to to power, right? Mm-hmm. A great po- a quote from uh, Padme. Once he, meaning Clovis, once he decides what he is fighting for, little will stop him from achieving it. And when, when that line is said, I think it's it's later in the arc, I, I myself went, well, what is he fighting for? Right. He's all over the map. Yeah. And I think he, he I think he, I think he is trying to fight for the bank for the good. I yeah, think, for the good, yeah. you know, I think if Palpatine had not intervened, right. Cause it's early in the second arc where, uh, well, it, you know, we, we learned that, that Palpatine has sent Embo to just, you know, exacerbate all these tensions right. and fears and who's behind this, what's going on uh, to, to yeah. get Anakin even more angry. Cause Padme's in some danger, you know? Uh, but then he, he, uh, calls, uh, Dooku as Sidious and like Clovis is a problem. We need to entrap him. Clovis is on the right path, right? He's if he discovers if if he and Padme are lucky enough to dis- discover the truth, he's just going to turn it over to you know the proper authorities on Moon probably uh, mm-hmm. on Scipio and they'll deal with it. And yeah, yeah. and Palpatine can't have that, so he's like, don't let him. We're not going to let his noble do do gooding actually focusing on the big picture. Instead, we gotta we gotta get him focusing on. But what if I took over? And then he can lie to himself that he's doing it for good reason. You know, there's no reason that Clovis should trust Dooku. And in that long conversation with Dooku, it's clear that he shouldn't. And yeah. and Clovis is smart enough to go like, but what's in it for you? And and Dooku's like, stability. And like, sure, okay, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That that's what evil wizard wants. Stability. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you could almost put this in the comedy section, but when Clovis barks out, I'm the one in control to Padme, as he's clearly not in control of anything <laughs> is one of the funny moments. But this is what I've said. This whole thing's kind of this this template uh, f- for the path of Anakin that's right around the corner, right? I, I think you're right. So much you could look at Clovis and say every decision might have been out of, uh, I don't want to say the, the goodness of his heart, but at least with good intentions. And that is, uh, you know, uh, what's that old, the, the path, uh, the path to blank is filled with good intentions. Ken doesn't remember things today. He had one cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, you know, that, and, and Anakin, his drive is to save the, the person he loves. All right. That's pretty good. I get yeah. it. Look where that led you because of uh, of, of everything that we, we know that happens to him and all the, the, those little building blocks we're talking about. So anyways, the, to track Clovis, to track his intentions, to get himself in that deal. And at any point, he can make the justification that what he's doing is for the greater good, the greater good, until the very moment, I think, when he, he, he pays for it all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that learning more about his backstory, you know, that sets up that scene for Padme to have empathy for him mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and for him to try to turn that empathy into something romantic, which is his, you know, uh, personal, uh, not good, very bad. Uh, yeah. But I think it does open us to uh, have some empathy for him and, and to see how he would be uh, wanting to save the banks out of a sense of legacy, but also like that question of like, could I, an outsider, ever rise to that station of power? And he's got that line of, you know, I've been, I've spent so much of my life misunderstood. Yeah. And I think it really, it, I'm glad that Clovis is not a scenery chewing villain, that he is this person who has gone through tragedy, who hasn't been uh, understood or respected. And you can see how he would crave to be at the, the top. And I love that that is the visual to really drive this home, right? That mm-hmm. his office is this pinnacle. He's reached this height. And it is literally, and he's literally going to fall from it <laughs> yeah. because of the yeah. way he got there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Mm. Uh, did you have thoughts on on the kind of big picture uh, uh, theme of trust? It, it is mm. a word mm. that gets used a bunch. It is explicit in the morals. What did you think this arc was saying about trust? You, you, you follow me here. Uh, I did write this down. It's, I'm glad you brought it up because it pops. I mean, it's in the moral. It's in the episode. Trust as a salve for jealousy and fear. A good ointment to uh, heal those wounds, if you will. But at the same time, Palpatine is selling trust as this uh, medicine as well. And maybe a, a shield to look it into uh, things deeper. I don't know. I love it. I love the dual nature of it there. Because I think I think that's part of, you know, if, if Padme uh, just got one little ounce of trust from a good old toxic Anakin, uh, things go differently. And she deserves it and all that stuff. And there's that path. But then Palpatine loves that word. He knows that word. It's a good word, right? Trust. You should trust. Yeah. Trust. Trust. Trust me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Trust me. You know? <laughs> yeah. I really think that it, it gets uh, so underlined in this arc because, yes, obviously trust is a good thing. And there are many points in the prequel. We, we were talking about, you know, how, how much of a difference would, might it have made if Mace ever trusted Anakin? <laughs> and mm-hmm. We were talking specifically about Revenge of the Sith, but. I feel like a large part of the story of the prequel era is uh, that Palpatine really erodes the ability to trust. The dark side mm-hmm. clouds everything, and he sets people up in this arc to uh, have trust for someone and then uh, immediately regret it, you know, including yeah. the Jedi, right? Um, we start with this with Padme understandably doesn't trust Clovis because he betrayed the Republic the last time they met and got her poisoned. <laughs> understandable. Uh, but then she she opens up a little bit and see, seems to see that his intentions towards the banks are good. Um, you know, we the audience know she shouldn't trust Palpatine, but she is trusting Palpatine. I think we see that her trust in the Republic is faltering. Like yeah. Padme has been this steadfast, hero uh, uh fighting for what is right for the larger people right she's been opposing military funding that takes away all the funding from the basics that people need to live that's the arc where we met tecla before mm-hmm. uh but i think th- it's fascinating that she has this conversation with rush rush where rush says the information we get tomorrow will go a long way to expose perhaps the real criminals behind this war in a couple years ago in the clone wars i think padme would have been yep but instead mm-hmm. she says these are war profiteers. I've exposed that before. Mm. Mm. And it feels like her trust is eroding because yeah. of all of the horrors of the Clone Wars that that Palpatine has has engineered. Um, and I think there's this big point of trust where uh, they make so much of Anakin not trusting Padme uh, about mm. Clovis. Yeah. And she, when she says, I've told you I'm doing this, but you refuse to accept it, you know, and this marriage is not a marriage, Anakin, if there isn't any trust. You know, and that's not even take this huge leap of faith. That's like your wife looking at you in the eyes and going, I have no feelings for creepy Clovis. Yeah. <laughs> and just Anakin just not being able uh, to hear the truth. Mm. Um, and, then, and then the last way I think trust really plays a big deal is I think Clovis becomes this great tool to spread confusion and distrust for the Senate in the Jedi, right? Of yeah. Palpatine props him up to be like, actually, we can trust this guy. Actually, he's great. Actually, he's a savior. And then just manipulates him to just turn him around and make everyone, mm-hmm. the, the Senate and Yoda, uh, mm-hmm. think, oh, no, we, we were we were right to not trust. And it just makes it 
you can see how it's so hard for the Jedi, uh, for the the senators, the Republic, mm. to kind of just know which way is up, and makes it really hard to take any leap of, of faith to trust. Yeah, they're they're cheering for the, the war to, to to go to Scipio in a way, even though it, it's essentially already there. But yeah, even Senator Chuchi's voting for it. You know? Yeah, yeah, Bale. <laughs> I, I love that de- detail that Bale's like, mm, yeah, nah. yeah. <laughs> without yeah. understanding it so yeah i think i mm-hmm. think the the positive sides of like of course those moments where of course you should trust like anakin should trust his wife mm-hmm. are there and then there's so much there that that's just a cloud of, of lies and deception yeah absolutely that shroud of the dark side huh yeah it does a lot of falling mm-hmm. uh any other uh thoughts on the big picture themes of uh, this arc yeah a couple of Couple ones, they all kind of start to flow into the the big uh, the big picture, indeed. But this this idea we've talked about before the with, with the dark side and power, but how power only takes, and the deal with the dark side goes wrong. Like I said, true foreshadowing for Anakin, and through that you see a lot of the dangers and side effects out of acting out of fear, which can be even on small levels, acting out of jealousy, and the cost of of, of compromising compromising yourself and bad choices. Again, we keep talking about choices. Obi-Wan turns his back but gives Anakin a choice to engage. Anakin walks away from it. It does lead to tough situations, those tough situations that you might have uh, got there by those good attentions we're talking about. And there's something about Clovis at the end. I called it the falling down ending, referencing the, the Michael Douglas movie where, you know, at the end of it, he's like, I'm the bad guy. And all through the movie, there's things that you're like, oh, I, 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 I get, I get that. I, I get that upsets me about society. That upsets me about red tape. That upsets my hamburger definitely is smaller than the picture, and and how you react to that and what you do in those situations. And it, Clovis literally is like, I'm not the bad guy here, as he has a gun to Padme's head, <laughs> blaster to Padme's head, and it's just the, 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 how it just uh, it all. Uh, slides in the bigger picture, but all comes from this idea to me of, of just uh, power only takes and it's taken from you. Right. Yeah. The idea that, uh, you know, Palpatine manipulates the Senate into yet again, believing like I will, of course, I can't wait to put down this power mm-hmm. <laughs> that you've given me. There's, there's, if the, the Senate was even close to being rational, like, Hey, this guy who has managed to stay in office much longer than a normal term, mm-hmm. <laughs> even before the Clone Wars broke out, and then has taken this military power and is now taking this financial power. And every time he takes more power, he says he can't wait to put it down because he mm-hmm. loves mm-hmm. democracy. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I think that's really great to your, your point of uh, power takes and power wants to keep. Um, yeah, I, I kind of thought of, of some of that under this arc really being uh, the costs of war. Uh, That's something that the Clone Wars animated series, I think is really well spaced out to show you how the war keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And the the Jedi are stuck in this cycle, uh, literally battling (laughs) for days in the previous arc in a circle on a ring (laughs) surrounding a planet. And they, they can't get themselves out of the cycle. Right. And while that is happening, all these horrors are happening. This is why Padme is going to be like, we need this money for war refugees because we brought war to people's planets who don't want it. Um, the uh, I just kind of the idea throughout this that of of Scipio is this neutral zone, mm-hmm. right? And the idea that the Republic and the Separatists can calmly discuss interest rates and yeah. even work together to oversee change in bank leadership, but somehow can't come to the table to stop the war. Like yeah. that all of this is happening uh, when Padme has been, been pushing for negotiations, but mm. 
all these powers around her are making it so she can't. Yeah, and and the fear and anger that you were talking about, the fear and anger uh, of the scary other, the separatists that make it easy for Palpatine to manipulate the Senate into bad ideas. These are all costs of war. Yeah, all costs of war. Yeah, I love your description of the of, of the banks itself. There's those, that constant, not the circles, but the gears are constantly moving. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the gears of the story of the war, of the situation, constantly moving, constantly grind, uh, grinding. And I had that thought, too, of just how crazy it was to see clone troopers and the super commando droids just kind of standing there, you know? Yep. Oh, yep. Man. Mm. Yep. The, we, we can have a calm meeting here, but, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's the horror of war. Yeah. Um, so we have talked a lot of uh, big ideas in this arc that definitely relate to the larger storytelling and morality and perspective of Star Wars and all that. But what other uh, moments or ideas uh, do you think were reflected in this arc? I, I, look, I, I think uh, I, I, for me, it all kind of um, this idea of, of, of power and all the themes we discussed just flow into, uh, you know, what power does and how pa- power gains even more control. And this is, is to me, the, the, this is the palpatine, the palpatine of it all, um, the, the, the literal side of him, him funding an empire. But now him, like you said, uh, decisions are now his. Everything's under his control. That all, we get to that point. And Star Wars is telling you we get to that point by everything that uh, crumbles before it, like we discussed. It's kind of the, the direction I went with some of the big picture stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, this is another chapter in the great Star Wars discussion about how do you balance the the fulfillment uh, in choices and importance of the individual uh, with the the group, uh, because we are all part of the group and what happens to uh, uh, some parts of the group affect mm. all parts of the group. I think it, it, this goes back to uh, symbiont circle discussions. Mm. Um, and I think it's why I'm really fascinated with uh, some of the larger political financial stories of the Clone Wars that are often like the motivation, uh, mm. but kind of buried in the newsreel announcers and you like you have to carry it with you through this whole arc that that's what Padme is fighting for um so I think that's a a a big one for me I think that uh this illustration of the way the the authoritarian uh illusion can work um Palpatine's not yet uh revealing himself as an authoritarian Mm. but he is kind of using a soft version of the language of the of the strong man or the strong leader. And in particular, he's getting people, uh, the Republic, the senators to buy into the illusion that giving the leader is giving themselves power, right? Mm-hmm. By giving the leader power, they're giving themselves power and they're absolutely not, right? And that's mm-hmm. just, that's sort of the the triangle. If you make a, a group of people fear the other enough they will shovel more power to the leader thinking that they are empowering themselves, right? That they're yeah. defending themselves and, but it's just making a foolish choice out of fear and anger. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, Padme's revenge of the Sith, uh, how Liberty dies moment and yeah. how that all, all flows into that. Yeah. And then, uh, I, he doesn't specifically reference, uh, Oh, in the banks too. But I really think that this is one of those arcs that super supports Mace's line of, he has control of the Senate in the courts. He's too, too dangerous to be left alive. Right. 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 Of yeah, Mace's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mace in that moment, he's like, okay, well uh, we have allowed ourselves to be suckered into this corner where mm-hmm. he has legitimate power that's been handed to him by the people over everything. So he cannot, be held accountable 
with any of our normal systems because we allowed him to corrupt them, right? Yeah. He, he doesn't, you know, maybe there's a special edition where if Lucas was still in charge, he'd have, <laughs> have Samuel Jackson to come in and also go. And also the banks. Remember that episode of Clone Wars? That's I, definitely I, the spirit of. He controls yeah. all levels, levers of power. I, I, by the way, I would love a prequels uh, special edition to tie in a lot more references and stuff to the Clone Wars. I actually would be great. <laughs> Remember on Scipio Anakin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when uh, everybody was cheering about long live the banks? Yeah. <laughs> and Anakin looks at his fist, just kind of, oh, yeah, I pun- you're right, I punched Rush. <laughs> Punch Foreshadowing Rush. of this moment. <laughs> uh, final thought for me is you you and I and, and many other people, uh, but here on Force Center, we just love Solo, uh, a Star Wars story. And part mm. of that is it is this picture, not just the military oppression mm. of the Empire, but the uh, financial oppression where if anybody wants to have any sort of uh, of freedom of choice, they need to steal to get it because no one has any money. Uh, This arc is a prequel to the movie Solo, A Star Wars Story. That's (laughs) why that that the idea of just a little bit of of personal freedom and choice and mobility Mm -hmm. is uh, uh, the debate in Solo is, is that a fantasy because nobody has it anymore? Yeah, yeah, where where you always say that the, the boot of the empire, it's it's destroying uh, industry, it's destroying the foundations of, of a working society. Yeah, and here it is. I love that. Uh, that there you go. That that's our sales pitch for this arc, the prequel <laughs> to Solo: A Star Wars Story. <laughs> yes, I think uh, I think if people sat down to watch it with that, they uh, I don't know if everyone would agree with us, but I feel strongly about that. <laughs> Any other thoughts before we take a quick break? Uh, no, no, other than I definitely want to watch Solo now. Excellent. Well, we're going to take a quick break, watch all of Solo, and then we'll be back. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. are back to continue our discussion of this great arc, the curse of Clovis, the destruction of the banking system from a certain point of view. We're going to get into some of our fun moments and our canon moments and all that kind of stuff. We start with action. Ken, did you have any favorite action moments from this arc? Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely did. Um, <laughs> but here's, okay, yeah, I absolutely did. Uh, and uh, actually, you, I mean, you might have changed your note. Oh, I, that's so funny. I, I'm I'm a Bond fan, but in the Daniel Craig era type of way, right? And I played uh, Goldeneye, like as we talked about before. And I know yeah. you are you're a big Bond, Bond Bond fan. I put the note music cue when we see Embo, almost 1960s Batman. Then in my notes I went, or like a spy show, or I don't know, the biggest secret agent movie of all time. <laughs> I don't know franchise. Uh, so yeah, I love just Embo pops in. I, I I get your love of Embo of Embo, but you know you have you, Joseph. You have to answer for some of Embo's actions here today. <laughs> I really do. I remember that Embo in this arc. I forgot that he just brutally shoots Tekla, and I was like. Tecla. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, Embo. You're making some not great decisions. <laughs> uh, it, it was very interesting. You know, uh, I don't think the arc is, is trying to to tell the story, but I think you can go into the kind of headcanon of be like, are the bounty hunters making, you know, worse decisions, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as the galaxy gets dark around them? Obviously, Cad Bane's always been like, you know, whatever for a buck, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, but M, like we met Embo with uh, Sugi, who's, who's always, uh, I think, um, sort of coded as a little bit more moral. They're, they're defending yeah. uh, the farm from Hondo, right? In, in the Bounty Hunters episode where we meet them. Yeah. And, you know, I think she pushes back on some of Obi-Wan's assumptions about bounty hunters. So Embo has always been in that, like, yeah, no, he, he's he he's not anything for a buck. He's almost anything for a buck. And, yeah. and then you watch this episode and like, oh, Embo. Oh, Embo. <laughs> yeah. And I think I don't remember all the details, but, you know, the the group he's continuing to work with in um in aftermath seems to have mm. a little bit more morality is, is yeah. my memory. I'd have to look up those details. So yeah. yes, I w- I was bummed and I take full responsibility <laughs> as a fan of Embo that he made some devastatingly uh, yeah. bad choices in this episode. It is, but look, you know, I'm very sad to see Tecla go, but it is definitely ties to the bigger picture. Like we were talking about, I, I just think, uh, you know, she, she, she's the one that helped Padme speak out against this military spending. It's her story that really affected Padme, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and got Padme to really always has been, but focus on the plight of those affected by the war. And she dies in an effort to reverse that or, 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 you know, help in some way. And it just means the war is trampling so much. Uh, we know that. And, and Anakin, you could have helped if you made some better decisions. But anyways, um, all that to say, this is action, not themes. What a great sequence. <laughs> oh, my Lord. You know, I wrote down, Ken, I think that's one of my favorite action scenes in the Clone Wars. That it's whole really mountainside chase. Mm-hmm. You know, um, starting with the... <laughs> When Embo is firing at all of them and Anakin's like, okay, I'll protect you both, but mostly Padme. And there's that shot that almost hits Clovis and he does a little jump. Yes, yes. <laughs> to leap leap over the shot that would have taken out his ankle. Uh, mm-hmm. And then that was a great beat. And then you get into just um, space mountain chase heaven. What, uh, what beats uh, spoke to you in that? <laughs> I just, yeah, Embo in a snow hat toboggan. I wrote that. Uh, there's some, even some action comedy of Padme saying, Did we lose him? And then Embo just pops right out. I uh, <laughs> love that beat. And then I don't want to step on everything here, but that force yeah. push of Embo is pretty great with the sound, him flailing. It's, it's a, it's a good little force push. It is a great force push. Yeah. I mean, I love all the things that that hat can be used for. It's been used as a shield. Yeah. It's been used as a throwing uh, a projectile. Uh, and now it's been used for snowboarding down a snowy space mountain. Mm. Uh, just the, the actual visual of it, the way the action is uh, uh, choreographed, uh, the way we can we get these different views, including the kind of helicopter view that really shows us where they are. It's just so well-constructed. I love, uh, this also happened in the, the Maul Takes Mandalore arc, uh, mm-hmm. where his Anuba brings his hat back. I like that yeah. uh, a lot. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, probably my favorite beat is that force push because it, it's one of the uh, the moments that's really well choreographed to show like Anakin needs to think about defense first, right? That he, do- he doesn't know exactly where Embo is. He's taking these shots and he needs to, the you know focus on deflecting and then the second he gets an opening 
where he doesn't need to defend, where he's got his bearings, he lets go with that force push. Yeah. Yeah. And Embo's got, and Embo can be, and I love that where the bounty hunters can be like, we can kind of overwhelm the Jedi. We can put other people in danger. We can kind of come at them by surprise. But if a Jedi just gets the drop on us, nothing we can do about (laughs) massive force push that hurls me like a doll. He's just got (laughs) floppy doll limbs. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got like a battlefront too when, you know, a thermal detonator goes off and your character just flails uncontrollably through the air. So great. Mm -hmm. Everything about Mm -hmm. that. So, so great. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Love that. Uh, So uh, moving on then, because we could spend a long time on that. Uh, What were some other action moments uh, that you liked? I put this in action, and you highlighted it earlier in the second episode, when Bail votes no. That's an action to me. <laughs> when he finger punches the button? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we we're always saying voting is, a, is an important action. A lot of people taking uh, different actions in that scene there, but Bail takes a, a one uh, an action that uh, says a lot about who he is, and I love it. Absolutely. Um, and I, for me, I like I, I don't want to downplay uh, one of the big things that people remember this arc for, which is that brutal fight with Rush. I do think it's important. Yeah. I think I think there's a uh, danger isn't right. I think that to me, it's fascinating that I feel like the arc is about balancing the personal with the bigger picture and that this scene that is so personal and and, and so uh, thrilling, frightening, horrible, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and relatable can can draw the focus away from the rest of the episode to just focus on this scene. Mm. But that scene is awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. To show how far down the path of buried emotion Anakin has been, like this feels like a- this is absolute fear of losing Padme. Right. This is mm-hmm. uh, it, the fear of losing Padme. Or honestly, uh, it's possessive, right? It's scary behavior. It's uh, don't touch what's mine, you know, Clovis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it is about his actual love of Padme slipping into possessive love that is more about himself than it is about Padme. But mm-hmm. also, you know, watching these so close together, you, you just really get the feeling that, like, the only way that Anakin has dealt with the pain of losing Ahsoka is he's fixed some things in his room. <laughs> yeah, right. Right? Uh, and it feels like that's there too, and he doesn't know it because he's not examining mm-hmm. it, right? And so all yeah. of these, and, and I'm sure he hasn't fully dealt with what happened to his mother, and it's just all these theories yeah. uh, coming out uh, uh, that he hasn't dealt with or looked at and understand what they are. And uh, yeah. I think every punch to rush is for a different thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. look, even, uh, you know, um the fact that Rush and Padme aren't out in the open, uh, don't can, don't get me wrong there, but just that, like, he couldn't even have this. Let's just say Padme did want to kiss Rush. Anakin can't have that. Their relationship can't have any of that. He hasn't processed that either. The whole yeah. thing's a mess. And and what I love, love about this fight, this fight, uh, you know, actions definitely tell us things about the characters. I love that Rush literally is like, put aside who you are. Put aside your Jedi tricks and come fight me. And Anakin's like, done. Done. All my learning, everything I studied, all the conversations with Kenobi, done. I'll fight you. I'll fight you on a on a different level. Uh, and it, that's just this. That's personal. That attachment. That the jealousy. Everything. God, that's that's a lot of what it represents. 
and that is a cool and frightening moment where yeah he throws his lightsaber aside you, you go to uh, you know episodes like one of my favorites of clone wars of lightsaber lost of like what does that mean this weapon mm-hmm. is your life it's a symbol of a defense and commitment to defending others there's a the one where he gives it uh, to padme and he kind of learns the that is about the responsibility of of a lightsaber and, and what it means and he throws that all aside he goes yeah i'm gonna punch you yeah <laughs> yeah uh and and I really, really do like the 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 business with his metal hand. I love. Uh, it feels like a little over the top in in a great way that they would uh, punch one another's hands, <laughs> but yeah. that Rush punches his metal hand and is like, "Oh, that's great!" You know the 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 wounds of his anger and his rushing into conflict are th- that's what's coming up. Yeah, no, well said, and I, I put that down as well for one just a little personal thing of mine where I I. I it never takes me out of star Wars in any way, shape or form. But like when people, and I mentioned before recently, but like when people are punching clone troopers in the armor and it's like they're punched, punched their face. It just, it's, it's a weird leap of logic, uh, you know? And I love, they're just so so real about clink hits Anakin's hand. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's similar to the Grievous Kenobi kick in, in Revenge of the Sith for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I do love that. Um, that he gets far enough into the fight and he he now he doesn't even care about this kind of uh, agreement that he made to like uh, beat him up man to man and mm-hmm. <laughs> that force flip into the table oh yeah is brutal right it, it really that is anakin saying unlimited power i'm not gonna i'm not gonna agree to some mm-hmm. gentleman's fight rules i just want you to be in horrific pain <laughs> yeah no it's it's particularly brutal that 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 bounce and flip from clovis yeah. And how do you feel about the, the, I mean, Anakin is telling them to not, or Padme is telling them to n- stop throughout the whole thing. And it, it really does seem like Anakin almost seeing or feeling his own mechanical fist that, that snaps him out of it. How did you feel about that? Uh, no, I, I think that's a great way to look at it. Absolutely. A reminder. And there's, you know, some poetry of what's going to happen later with the sun. Indeed. Uh, I, I, just to kind of see, Anakin going, this is what happens when I lose myself. This is literally what happened when I charged in for Dooku and threw, threw aside so much of what I learned and what I know and, and connection to Kenobi and all that kind of bigger stuff. We've all seen the movie. You get it. But yeah, I, I think it's pretty important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like the, it's not overly, uh, to me, it is not uh, overly, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. Mm. It's, uh, it's not heavy handed, which I didn't want to say because I'm talking about a metal hand. <laughs> Yes. which is heavy, but yeah, I really like it is the, uh, the short yes. way to say that. Uh, do you have any other favorite action moments? A couple of, um, it's so funny. There's so little ones. I, I count this as action because uh, it's a threat, but uh, Duke could go in, oh, but you can, and you will. It's, it's uh, own kind of implied action there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Duke has got a lot of great threatening lines. He uh, does. Uh, the, the, the final stand of the the clone on Scipio, Commander Thorne, is mm. particularly brutal. I, yeah. I mean, it was it was a great action scene, but just seeing him, you know, trying to stand up to it as he gets uh, utterly mm. surrounded in a place where there was absolutely supposed to be no war. Right? It was supposed to be yep. stand here and scowl 
at the droids and and mm-hmm. you know this is a place where the, the, this can't happen <laughs> yeah no and to be just swallowed up by it is it's it's a great mm-hmm. moment of kind of horrible action it is it's uh i don't know it's, it's a little bit of a reminds me of uh, boromir's last stand and fellowship of the regs of just uh, uh you know taking these these three blaster shots and still fighting and and falling that way no it was big that whole sequence uh the, the separatist invasion uh, mm-hmm. that the strike there had that kind of that world war two movie or even newsreel vibe, which is, is part of the, the star Wars tradition in a weird way mm-hmm. uh, as, as with Lucas's connection to it. That all, even the sounds of the droid ships coming in and it just reminded me of, I, I grew up, my dad loved those movies. He was in the Navy. So, you know, I watched Tor 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 and Midway and all that kind of, you know, it just reminded me of that, which is part of the star Wars DNA for, 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 for sure. Yeah, and, and for me, it was I was really enjoyed seeing the hyena bombers it's, it, yeah. because I have a stronger relationship with them because I've played them more in the the piloting parts of Battlefront Two. Mm, indeed, uh, and I always I always uh, need to look up to make sure I'm remembering correctly that those uh, other uh, ships that look somewhat like X wings. We always talk about the Arc One Seventy, which is one of my favorite ships, as a prototype yeah. of the X wing. But those Z ninety five headhunters are pretty cool too. Thank you. I yes, you're right. The Z ninety five. I I it was the name was escaping me, but the, I love them. They're so great. I, I I just yeah, a lot of great little Star Wars pew 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 action moments with them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so anything else for action? Uh, no, it, it starts to veer into comedy pretty fast, and these really <laughs> lighthearted episodes. Uh, I, I wrote down a decent amount here for favorite moments of comedy, whimsy, and weirdness. I wouldn't say there are a lot of intentional jokes, but there's some things that made me uh, laugh. Uh, starting with just the uh, absolute voice acting, voice directing choice uh, that all of the Munes have different nerd comedy voices, right? Yes. <laughs> it sounds like an audition for like Revenge of the Nerds in the 80s. They all have a different version of bleh. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I you didn't know how to qualify that, but it, uh, you know, the, I didn't know what, what uh, section to put it in, I should say. Uh, yeah, no, it, it, it was really funny. There's a great moment with the with Nick's where they're like basically telling him, hey, here's uh, here's what's going to happen. He's just like, I'll do wish when he's being faced with like the full responsibility <laughs> of the scene of, of everything going on. It really is sort of passive aggressive, like fine, doesn't hurt me. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. Actually it really does. Yeah. And just to be clear, I'm not uh critiquing uh no, no, the voice no, actors. No. They all do a great job. I think it's it, it's what they're asked to do, right? This weird uh, and yeah. I'm sure some of it is like, okay, we'll we need we kind of established what it is with San Hill and in, in Attack yeah. of the Clones. So what what's what are the variations on it? Yeah, no, it it does uh, work for me. Just everything about the, the the design of the bank, which isn't what we're discussing here, but just them, it's, it's representative of of power being disconnected, right? Them, you can't even get directly to them. They're up on the screens, man, the walls. So a lot of it is just great design. But yeah, it is uh, it is kind of funny because even their heads, you know, they're designed bigger, they're taller, and they even shrank down some of the the, the model designs uh, for to to be not as tall for these episodes based on previous Clone Wars stuff. Uh, and so I just, the whole thing, it's pretty fascinating. Especially like fit them into the frame. Well, just, I think I was looking at one of the notes is they kind of, they kind of shrank it down because, uh, uh, they were too, maybe too big, uh, compared to, you know, with Padme standing up close and everything. Uh, but just to see, you know, again, you mentioned it all comes from Sand Hill and Attack of the Clones. It's just fascinating from that little clip and banking clone. That was kind of an in joke with my friends. Like, what was that guy? What was that guy? Oh, it was weird. And now they have all this in this whole world. I really do love uh, that for what the, you know the Clone Wars. What it what it gives us. 
Yeah, no, I think it's, it's really fun to just uh, spend some more time with them and, and to think about uh, the moon. And I, I always forget that it is incredibly crystal clear in this episode how to say them. I think I've said mun in the past, but it is clearly one of those words that for once everybody agrees on and says moon. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, it's also fun to watch them with their uh, weird voices uh, in their, uh, you know, uh, kind of comical appearance in Remember. Uh, that's the same species as Darth Plagueis. <laughs> yes, yes. And imagine if Darth Plagueis uh, talked like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, what are some other uh, moments of comedy or whimsy or weirdness that you enjoyed? Yeah, I love, uh, there's a couple um, uh, couple things in the first episode. Uh, Padme, after uh, she escapes the, the vault, she goes, this isn't a vault, it's a tomb. And I just thought, it's like Indiana Padme Jones. Like that's a, that's a line <laughs> someone would say in, in Indiana Jones 5. Love yeah, that. Vault of doom. Yeah. I love when Anakin shows up and Clovis goes, you again, because he's never seen Star Wars. So he thinks he's the pilot from the earlier arcs. And that's just funny. <laughs> that is a really great moment too, because since both uh, Anakin and Clovis are kind of obsessed with power and station where mm-hmm. Anakin's like, I'm not a pilot. I am a Jedi Knight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, love that. So I really like that. Earlier, uh, when Rush uh, first sneaks in and Padme pulls a blaster on him and he goes, how did you get a blaster into the neutral zone? And Padme yeah. says, we're resourceful. <laughs> love that. That could almost Which count could as be action. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost did count as action. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I like that it's a, that could be the royal we or uh, she means her and Tekla. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, another moment in that first episode is... Uh, when Anakin and Padme first get to Clovis's uh, tossed bachelor pad there and <laughs> Anakin scoffs and goes cozy place just being a damn child right like yeah. obviously it's been tossed it's not the way that he chooses to decorate <laughs> but like he's just so desperate to go like see this is why he sucks this is why he's du-. like anything anything You're so right it's just really like, yeah, nice bathroom towels, Clovis. It's so childish. Nice face, face guy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It has that total energy. And I just love that they, they went there because it makes that kind of just like yeah. uh, mindless jealousy uh, uh, relatable. Yeah, it, it, it does. It does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in, in relating to that in the second episode, I really like Obi-Wan's uh, line of like, uh, to Anakin, I sense a deep anger in you by my simply saying his name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It is, as Anakin struggles with, uh, you know, almost like it's a birds and a bee bees conversation. Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, when a senator and a Jedi love one another very much, <laughs> sometimes twins. Um, what are some other moments for you? Uh, you you mentioned earlier, but it, it is in the same mode. With it, but Anakin just going, "All right, lover boy." Just- <laughs> Right there. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I really don't think this was meant to be funny, but it it made me laugh because it's in in the beginning of that really dark and horrific uh, fight with Anakin and Clovis. But you know, Clovis eventually gets some shots in, uh, but really not at the beginning. Uh, when Anakin just runs, smacks him. Anakin is on top of Clovis. Clovis's legs are in the air. Anakin is sitting on top of him, just punching him. And Padme says. Both of you stop this. <laughs> and it, it, it tracks and it works because Clovis is, you know, uh, mm-hmm. is going in for a kiss that Padme is saying no to. Uh, yeah. she, he is he is a part of this. He, he uh, you know, went in for an 
unwanted kiss that is a part of this. And he is going to, you know, goad Anakin and punch him. So he is absolutely a part of this. But just the image of both of you stop this yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> at that point where uh, Clovis is not as much uh, actively involved. <laughs> so much going on there. Uh, yeah. there. There's one little line from Yoda, I think, in the second episode where he says, adventures you've had on Scipio, hmm? which just struck me as really fun. Just that almost sassy Yoda. Yoda. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I really like that. <laughs> adventures we got shot at. Yeah. 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 Um, I love the the storytelling convenience and suddenness of the medical droid going, oh, I'm a servant of Count Dooku. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, so I love that one. I love that. It's one of those uh, fun plot thought starters of how you know they need to get to him palpatine and duke have that conversation and all right yeah i'll may i'll get to him and it's like where the what what were the other options like what if what if clovis doesn't get beaten up and needs a medical droid like what if there's so i'm fascinated i would love to know a little bit more about that not not plot hole stuff but plot thought starters of yeah you know what was the tool belt for me, it's just thinking outside the box, narrative compression, right? Because you mm-hmm. have him recovered totally and then enough. what? You have him go out onto the balcony or, you know, go back to an mm-hmm. office and be, you know, have somebody sidle up to him with the, yeah. you know, hall projector. I feel like it, it it's narrative efficiency, it's narrative speed. But then uh, for those of us who want to go dive deep, uh, that's really telling, right? Like yeah. how much has Palpatine orchestrated, mm-hmm. um, you know, agents of of the separatists all over coruscant you know oh yeah oh yeah i, I almost feel like mr white from uh the, the once again from bond is going to tell judy dench we have people everywhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah and have, having uh, judy dench go people don't need they people say that all the time they don't mean it literally literally yeah <laughs> and yeah. i just love the medical droids like by the way i am a servant of count dooku anyway mm. you're fine yeah. yeah. Uh I'm I I'm curious how much you have on your list. I know you love the uh people yelling in the background. Uh but when Clovis was initially making his pitch uh to get the votes of the Republic senators, there's one male senator in particular who's just losing their mind. <laughs> he says, "What can you do?" <laughs> real comic desperation in yeah. the background. A lot of a uh, lot of angry senators, a lot of great stuff, including Mon Mothma just crossing her arms at the end, like Mm-mm, this ain't good. This ain't yep. good. Nope, nope, nope. Maybe I should start up a little bit of uh, mm-hmm. a resistance to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, last thing for me is uh, again, this is something I don't think was necessarily uh, uh, meant to be comic. Um, when it becomes clear that the Republic is, uh, or the Separatists are attacking Scipio, uh, Palpatine says, there's no time to lose. And then Masamita walks away very slowly. <laughs> we wrote that the same beat. <laughs> Invoke an emergency meeting said, there's no time to lose. Ba-boom, ba-doom, ba-boom, ba-doom. <laughs> Whether it's intentional or not, it's one of my favorite things I've seen in a while. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's fun watching these episodes, kind of thinking through these beats, and sometimes you you see things that you maybe wouldn't otherwise. Because yeah, this one doesn't have a lot of scripted ha ha jokes. Mm-mm. No, no, because I have a lot of I get a lot of enjoyment out of uh, uh, Sassy Dooku showing up to wish Clovis the best of luck in his new office. Like it's an office place <laughs> comedy, and it just there's some there's some humor in that, and just Dooku sent you a meat and cheese plate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I I mean I don't know because it you know you have to choose. You're animating that. There's a lot that goes into that. It's not just a take on a set. 
So it'll be like, all right, so Palpatine says it's no time to lose. How should Masamita walk away? Slowly. The note is slowly. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, very funny stuff. That's it for me. Do you have anything else for uh, comedy, whimsy, weirdness? No, I'm just so glad you included that one as well. Such a great moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Funny, funny stuff. Um, let's dive into canon, lore, connections to uh, other stories, all that kind of great stuff. Um, you know, let, let's start with the big thing that we want to be sure uh, to have plenty <laughs> of time to focus on. The most important thing in this arc, Anakin's room. Um, yes. There's so much going on in there. Uh, like father, like son, he has a model uh, that looks a lot like a Delta seven Aether Sprite Jedi interceptor, but it has little wings. So is it yeah. a, a little bit into the evolution between the Delta seven and uh, the Actus uh, revenge mm-hmm. of the Sith era Jedi uh, interceptor? So is it, is this a little model that Anakin is making to be like, what if it had little wings? <laughs> I, oh, that's even better. Oh yeah. I got some, Hey, I, I got some ideas. Yeah. Yeah. And he's of course, he's got that workbench. He's got a bunch of boxes and that pod racing poster, uh, Sabalba versus Ben Quadraneros that I had always just kind of assumed was for some later race. But then uh, I Googled and there is this uh, confirmation uh, that uh, from Star Wars Holocron on Twitter that mm-hmm. uh, that is a poster of the Boon to Eve pod race, the one that Anakin won. Uh, mm. What is your relationship with that poster? That's fascinating because because wasn't Quadranos like a rookie too as well? If you look dig into it, that's fascinating. Uh, um, I, I think I've, I've thought about that poster a lot. It's amazing <laughs> and it's fun. It's a it's a fun Phantom Menace nod. It's a fun reference and the fact that is Saboba versus you know perhaps one of the more challenging characters in Phantom Menace as you and I have discussed our relationship with that character over the years. Where now we just absolutely love them and i'd love a documentary on ben quadraneros um i i think it's everything and then to, to tie into the meaning and just 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 to think again think about it play through your head and it can go when he finally gets back to his his apartment to sleep that's above his head thinking of that day that day has never left him a day which he thought he won freedom a, a, a day which he thought he was starting out on this uh, magical mystical uh, quest this destiny that he, he kept dreaming about and the day he left his mom and the day you know around the time he meets Padme it's so much and it's hanging over his head every night that he's there yeah yeah the the idea if uh, of that being, yeah, about his mom, about mm-hmm. uh, Padme, about what his mom says to him about the pod race that mm-hmm. uh, that he has brought uh, hope back to people who have none, right? Yeah. So for him, is this is this a part of uh, of the you know a, a sort of a symbol of what this all started out as? As a kid, mm. I had this dream that I would become a Jedi. And I would go back and I would free people on Tatooine. I would be the person who makes it through. So nothing bad has to happen. Like that was my fantasy, right? Mm -hmm. Is this his like kind of North star of why he wants to be a Jedi, which on one side is noble, but on the other side is this sort of a child's view of being a hero, which can turn into control. If I have power, nothing bad ever has to happen. I'll stop all bad things from happening. And the Jedi philosophy is so much more nuanced of like, yes, we are committed to selflessly helping others, but we have to accept that even with all our great power, we don't have control over everything. And does he look up at this poster and go, that's a symbol of me being a hero, AKA having control over everything. 
Yeah. Well, look, let, let, you could even pull in the Phantom Menace novel dreams where he's dreaming about coming back, leading an army to save his mother and the slaves. Yeah. It's big. It's big. And so I love what you're saying of that view of, um, uh, you know, of, of here's what you think is, is being a true hero, but you're not looking underneath the water. I have this discussion. I've had an argument with a close friend of mine of just that Jon Snow moment of the Battle of the Bastards where he pulls the sword out to face Ramsey's army. And he's like, that's what a hero is. I'm like, that's a guy who nearly died because of all the mistakes he made up to that moment. That's him not learning his lesson. And he's saved by those around him. Fortunately, he, he, he has those connections. And I, so to tie that all into what you're saying about Anakin of, of that was the shining day of what, it, what, it, what I could be, but not looking beneath any of the issues that have uh, emerged as he's gotten older. It's pretty powerful. Yeah. It's super powerful as well as just being cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, no, but again, it, you know, this, this is why it, does, it gets remembered a lot. This comes Oh, Hey, you know, Anakin is a poster up. And and that's just surreal because it's got it's got like if you look at the it's got the designs of the pods, and and this also means to me this means that day doesn't leave Vader's mind either, in the back of his head. Who knows in that meditation chamber? Maybe when 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 Piet interrupts him, he's watching highlights of the Boutique Classic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the 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 vanity of uh, I always win. Uh, I looked it up on the the trivia gallery for the episode, and it says mm. in Anakin's quarters, there's a poster celebrating the sport of pod racing that includes an image of Sabalba and Ben Quadraneros, old competitors from the pod race scene in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if it is meant to be. This is a promotional poster for that race. Regardless mm. of anything, it is certainly symbolic of that race, too. Clearly, clearly you and I have thought we could have done a half hour episode just on that poster (laughs) of that poster being in that room, poster being in that room. And yeah, then there is really just the like, hey, remember, you know, for me, that poster is almost a uh, response to the machete order of like all that stuff. Uh, Phantom Menace is real, real important to Anakin's journey, you know? Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, Anything, any other thoughts on all the stuff that Anakin has in his room? Uh, no, I should probably stop myself, but yeah, you're right. A workbench, a ship, the daydream, the connection to like father and son is, is, is pretty powerful too. But yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's a great insight into him. Yeah. My other thought is I don't feel like that was, if this poster is from that boon to Eve, that's the way it was being advertised. I don't feel like nine-year-old Anakin peeled it uh, off, you know, <laughs> no. a, a pole on his way yeah. out. I feel like Anakin tracked that down through some kind of space eBay that exists <laughs> in, in Star Wars Galaxy, you know? I No, absolutely. I want, I want that to be the plot of a, a Star Wars novel we've yet to read. <laughs> Anakin goes included in Brotherhood, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, maybe Mike Chen did include it there. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I, you're right. You're absolutely right. What if he got the scar going to get this poster? <laughs> Amazing. Uh, all right, looking at some other things. Uh, of course, we have a lot of returning characters. Uh, we have uh, Rush Clovis, who is featured in uh, that uh, earlier in the run episode that gets referenced uh, quite a bit in this arc. Uh, he is also uh, featured in pretty heavily in the Queen's Shadow novel by E.K. Johnston. And I had entirely forgot that they have this moment of recollecting uh, Rush and Padme about something they accomplished in the past of uh, getting the planet uh, Brumlark uh, in a planetary aqueduct system, which from this one line in this episode, uh, a big chunk of the plot of the book Queen Shadow is derived from. That's right. Absolutely. 
Yeah. So any any thoughts on on Rush Rush's uh, general canon role as the uh, kind of uh, pitched in the first episode that he appears in is though he and Padme dated briefly. Right. Uh, in this arc, it's very clear that Padme's got no interest in him. And in Queen Shadow, as I recall, uh, the the kiss that they once shared is also Rush kind of mm-hmm. misreading cues. Yeah, no, I I think I love that version a little bit more because um, we already kind of have that beat uh, at the uh, shack picnic of of love, uh, where her you know talking about someone from her past that was um, you know causes a little bit of fun, more fun jealousy if there's such a thing with Anakin. So I don't need yeah. that beat in the story again, and this just says a lot more about Rush uh, and and who Padme is and everything. So I and I love it, and once again, you know, uh, one of the things we celebrate about E.K. Johnston's books about Padme is her just taking little beats and strands and things she's probably thought about as a fan for years and being able to just add more depth to it. It it made me think a lot more about Rush this time around as a character. And he's an interesting character. He isn't just straight up bad guy. Um, He isn't just a a whole dashing prince type. There's some layers to the stuff going on. Uh, But at the end of the day, he's he's an example of um, power, far reaching uh, power and and, and, uh, just uh, wrong, uh, good intentions, wrong endings. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And and I do like uh, the relationship that uh, he has with Padme, where Padme could see him as a friend and could see him as somebody who who, like Anakin, could deny some of his um, his desire for power and control and has the that willpower that could be used to really help people in that great line mm-hmm. you highlighted. Uh, but that is her interest in Rush, that it is not romantic and it never really has been for her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, then, of course, uh, we have uh, the tragic demise of Tekla Minow. How do you say her last name, Ken? I say Minow? 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 Tekla Minow. Tekla Minow? Yeah, it'd be great if it was Minnow because it's easier for me to say Tekla Minnow. Here's as we know, this character is a, is a, is a relative of the the two characters that Nathan Hamill's played. <laughs> I have drunkenly asked Nathan at parties to say the character's name. I don't remember how. <laughs> well, the next time that I that I get to hang out with him, yeah. I will uh, I will be sure to ask him. Like, you know, what's really eating at me about Star Wars? You, you and the I should corner of this yeah. last name. <laughs> we'll corner. Uh, Tekla is one of these fascinating characters uh, that. Uh, she has been uh it, it is the current canon that she is the person in attack the clones who serves the shura fruit mm-hmm. uh for their dinner for anakin to float around uh and then as you referenced uh she is in that really powerful arc with padme where padme is trying to get uh to defeat some additional military spending bills because the mili- the increase in military will make it more difficult to have talks with the separatists and will leave nothing for the basic services of the people. And as you had said, it's, it's Tekla who, right. Who yeah. really gets Padme to think clearly about like, no, you're right. Padme, mm. the people are suffering. We don't have basic things. This war is not just us taking it to the separatists. It's right. hurting real people. And that is always the, the thread with mm. Padme is she defends herself when she has to aggressive negotiations with the blaster, mm. uh, but her through line is always how can we get government to work to help the most people? Yeah. Love it. No, powerful, powerful character. Yeah. And, uh, and I forgot that this was her, her sad end. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, any other thoughts on Embo? 
I, 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 I've always loved that you love him and I get why you love him. And so when he <laughs> pops up, I have just um, great secondhand joy and he's inter- He's so unique. He's so, he's a bit of an action figure, uh, you know, just with, with special hat, hat action, you know? Yeah. Um, I do love him. He's great design and the relationship. Like you talk about save the cat, save the dog moments. Like you're kind of like, Oh, he loves his pet. I like that about him. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so he's my number one bounty hunter to want to see in, in live action or even, yeah. Hey, come on, bad batch. How, how's he doing? How's he doing at the beginning of the empire? Let's, let's find out. Well, he's a popular character for a lot of creators. It seems right. Including mm-hmm. you, including you in that. I, I'm surprised you haven't pitched a Embo series anywhere. Maybe you have, but I'm stumbling <laughs> on a secret. Um, but even even uh, Wendig bringing him back. I mean that that was a uh, that was at the time I thought was like deep cut reference. But I think Embo pops up a lot in people's hearts. No, no, and he he's one of my those, those Clone Wars action figures. Uh, a lot of them can be very spendy. I was uh, very kindly gifted an Embo, and he is one of my treasured figures. Mm. The Embo action figure. Love that. Um, wanted to touch briefly on the banking clan itself. Uh, of course, San Hill is in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith is a part of the the very the true mm-hmm. separatist leadership. Um, and he it is one of the things that allows the war to begin that San Hill uh, commits uh, some financial resources of the banking clan. So for you, how do you kind of square that with the banking clan claiming to be neutral in funding both sides? I mean, it goes to an issue of trust, I guess. I wouldn't have it with them. And I did think about that, about how that might line up. But um, don't get, never get into too, too into the weeds too much. But uh, yeah, no, I think it tracks. I, I think they needed them. I think uh, um, they, they they are duplicitous, right? So Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel like that's, you know, that's definitely some of uh, Lucas's um, mm-hmm. story about greed, right? And uh, like this arc really reinforces like yeah financial economic systems are needed that's uh, you know how how uh large societies galactic societies function mm. um but to be wary of the people in charge because they can give in to greed and corruption yeah. and i feel like yeah san hell is clearly in a position in the banking clan to be like yeah no we'll absolutely support you we'll be on the council and everything uh but are kind of uh uh, our, our front face to the galaxy <laughs> yeah. is we're neutral and we'll give some money to both sides, but it's clearly been going on for a while that they're not charging the separatist interest. Yeah. 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 <laughs> mm. It's clearly a bias there. Uh, the character uh Beck Lewise uh, is a, a separatist Senator who has shown up in a couple uh different episodes, uh, three episodes, often the political ones with Padme, uh, that big arc uh, where she is trying uh, the heroes on both sides where she is trying to open up uh, negotiations and peace talks with the separatists. And uh, we see him again in another attempted peace talk uh, that is in the friend in need episode. Um, and here, he this was one of those great little canon moments that remind you that there are separatists who still really think, mm-hmm. hey, th- we, we broke away from the, the Republic because we don't agree with how they're doing things, with how corrupt they are. Uh, and don't seem to be fully aware <laughs> yeah. uh, how uh, corrupt the separatists uh, are, at least the separatist leadership with Dooku. Because I love that Beck Lewise is like, hey, wait, no, we can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not cool with this. You know, you got to run this by the Senate, Dooku. And Dooku just kills him. Kills him. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, final things uh, for me, uh, the the war profiteers, right? The idea that uh, there are a lot of people profiting off of the war. Um, people didn't 
some fans reacted negatively to that being a uh, a big idea in the Last Jedi. It's not new. No, <laughs> this is one of those arcs of like if uh, if that whole discussion of what Canto Bite is and all that uh, it doesn't sit right um, with you. It's always you can always have any opinion you want, but it is not <laughs> the first time this idea no. has been addressed in Star Wars. And very clearly, the uh, core five of the moons have gone to Canto Bite. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Maybe that's where they're going to flee to <laughs> when they try to escape. Uh, final thing is always there's some familiar lines. Padme saying, I have powerful friends and Dooku saying, either you are with us or you are against mm-hmm. us. Uh, what did you think of those? I- any other pop out of you? Uh, love the just repeating themes. Uh, love when you kind of hear that there. Um, and another little one with Padme enjoyed was uh, when the uh, when she's captured and the, the, the door opens, she's she's kind of laying down sleeping a little bit in the position that Leia is when we see her in the Death Star uh, prison when Luke uh, saves her, rescues her, or breaks her out of there, and she then saves them. Uh, I just love that little connection, too. Of, of the, yeah. You know, we don't t- talk about the, the her being the, the daughter of Padme as, as much as I we do, but I think in general. But it does Yeah, no, there's a time. definite connection, and she is rocking the similar Leia hairstyle at different mm-hmm. points in this arc, too. So, yeah, yeah I, I really love that moment. Uh, any other canon thoughts? No, no, a lot there, though. Was there anything that you disliked or questioned in this arc? No, not, no, not in a big way at all. Um, I, I think these episodes are really well put together. Uh, a lot of fun, and and it's just it's just interesting to look back to say uh, to think uh, it's it's so much more than a punch of Russia's face. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I really love this arc. I don't have anything that I really dislike or question. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on? It's a bigger thing, but I I, I, I it popped up twice, and and it's I think we've discussed a little bit here because it happens with Anakin a lot. Um, if, if you track storytelling a lot even when it's not uh scenes designed to be um uh, super serious or violent in nature anytime uh you know a man gets mad even with somebody he loves he, he has a tendency to grab the woman in front of him right this happens a lot and mm-hmm. if you start looking for it and anakin does it with padme and rush does it with padme not, not even talking about the kiss and i like that in a way anakin doesn't get away with it here there's an emotional mm. beat. There's an emotional reaction to it. And Padme doesn't turn with Clovis. She might say a little bit more of, hey, this is unwanted. But this is husband and wife. And it's not an example here of, of just domestic violence. I'm not going that direction. But it, it, it's a powerful moment of, of you know, I, have a t- I, I even struggle with it, not uh, even in a, in a good time where I'm trying to comfort and maybe I, I have a tendency to grab and pull in, right? Which might, might mm-hmm. be good, but also might not be needed or might be too much. And you just have to be wary of that. And this is something that's just seeped into a lot of scenes throughout the time of movies and TV shows. And I, I know I've discussed here before because uh, Grace has pointed out to me, she goes, that always happens in movies. Just watch for it. And this happens here. And I like that it's not just, it's it's subtle, but it's not blown off. And, and, and it's part of Anakin's, uh, his his control, his power, his problems with the with the dynamics there. And that uh, he pays for it. And a lot of things, the fight with Clovis, everything, it's big. But he pays for all of that, um, essentially with, with Padme breaking up with him here, right? She yeah. gives the old, we ain't going to see each other speech anymore. And I just kind of like that in terms of storytelling that you can, if you're really looking for it, you can see um, the cost of that on the relationship. Yeah, no, and I, I think it's, it's uh, kind of a larger canon thing in Star Wars that we could certainly discuss that, you know, Padme is well aware that he can have uh, anger, you know, mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. Con- he confessed to her, right, Yeah, uh, about the, the slaughter of the Tuscans, and we've discussed that a lot of, I think, her seeing 
uh, knowing him uh, as a traumatized child and, and, you know, trying to comfort him and, and understand him. Uh, but she knows that that's there. And it feels mm-hmm. like this is that moment where, she, where she's almost kind of like uh, mm-hmm. upset with herself. because She's like, I know that's inside you, you know, and I don't yeah. know what it is. I don't even recognize you anymore. That's not, that's not the man I want to be married to. And I'm walking away from you for a while. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, important canon stuff. And, and some of that's got to be flooding into her, her mind and Mustafar too, of like, yeah. you've always had this, you know, anger inside you that mm-hmm. almost makes you like a different person when you're this angry. Uh, and now you've, you've seemed to just let that become who you are, you know, yeah. is it's powerful, powerful stuff in terms of the, their relationship, Star Wars storytelling, mm-hmm. but in terms of like larger media, I really, really like that what you're saying. I really like that you're pointing that out. There are, you know, lots of moments of storytelling like this, where it is, a very clearly incorrect behavior, right? Mm-hmm, Clovis mm-hmm. is grossly wrong to yeah. make those advances and in particular to make them physical. Yeah. Um, Anakin is uh, wrong to be uh, handsy with his wife in that way that is not mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. loving or reciprocal, but is about being possessive and controlling. Yeah. Uh, but I remember growing up with so, so much media where it is not, uh, um, presented as something bad it is presented as this is the way men act yep of like if the if the woman isn't listening Mm -hmm. she'll like it if you show that she's in control right Right. um Mm -hmm. you know and and for me i think that is definitely um yeah uh, when i say things like toxic masculinity those are the thing the little cues that i feel like i grew up with yes uh, that i sensed in real life Mm -hmm. that if I was having a discussion with someone I was dating or a female friend and I did that, that would not be wanted. Yeah. But I feel like <laughs> so much I watch is telling me, but that's how to be a strong man. Yeah. And, you know, for a long time, not, you know, struggling with what to do with that tension of it. Seems like I'm being told mm-hmm. that a man is always in control of a situation, but my yeah. gut in real life is telling me that is not wanted. So yeah. uh, I'm very, very thankful uh, for, shows that do what what you're talking about here, which is presented as Anakin is in the wrong period. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and there's so many scenes where it's just like, it, it is not dealt with it. It's right. It's coded as normal coded as, uh, as just him, him, him doing what, what, you know, Bond does it a few times in the Craig stuff too. We've talked about that. I think before it's kind of what, yeah. in the back of my head. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and again, yeah, that it's, it's even the way that it's shot, it's not a good move. It's not, not, not accepted. No, no, not at all. And I think we've talked about before. There are a couple of times in Clone Wars where it is a, feels a little mm-hmm. more like like the kind of old school, like what? It's just like old Hollywood. And like, yep. Yep. And uh, that was clearly the intention at the time. But that thing we've also talked about of what happens when you reference something older that you love many parts of and with it take some baggage and mm-hmm. aren't critical about what are we, along with all the things we love and are inspired by in older storytelling, what are we maybe accidentally taking with us? Yeah. And, yeah, and it was great that this episode was not at all any sort of casual uh, elbow grabbing. This was yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, clearly Anakin in the wrong. In the wrong. Yeah, yeah. Really glad you uh, brought that up. The final thing for me that I would like to uh, mention is just I, I think there are a lot of beautiful shots. I think the design is great. Uh, I love uh, like you do the way they whole banking clan operation looks. It is like this extremely rich. St- steampunk art deco yeah. <laughs> a hotel lobby mashup and that's their whole aesthetic and i, I absolutely love it uh, nice hotel lobby old yeah. hotel lobby. i love everything about Scipio, including the every time they're outside there's breath <sighs> you can feel it it's cold yep. 
Yeah. Actually cold there, which I appreciate mm. uh, having grown up in a cold place. Ken, if you could have a figure uh, or any merch uh, from this episode, what do you want? Real simple. The Banking Clan main hall playset with the core five. <laughs> you can really slide up their their windows and yeah. put them on screen and everything. And everything kids want to do is to play bank like yeah. kids do. And you have to have the, the it's decals where you have to put like the stock tickers <laughs> in the back. It's really so like my stock ticker would always be crooked then in my playset because I would never put oh, no. the decals on right. I know. I I still uh, need to uh, fully assemble the Razor Crest. Oh wow! <laughs> because I want to take precious time to get the stickers right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I I just want that poster. I would just buy that poster if they just sold mm. the, the pod racing poster. 100%. Um, I would buy that. And then uh, for action figures, uh, I always love uh, battle-damaged action figures. I would happily take a battle-damaged Clovis with a big bruise on his cheek. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but the thing I want more than anything is an action figure set of uh, the, the Anakin's bedroom set. You know, it's three and three-quarter, and you could get... Uh, all of the things that come in his bedroom um, put together little tools and you get an exclusive uh, uh, pensive sitting down Obi-Wan. <laughs> back turned, back turned. <laughs> back turned Obi-Wan trying to open up and reach out uh, mm. would be a great action figure. Obi-Wan has almost connecting action. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, all right, next up is uh, a two-parter, season six, episodes eight and nine, some buddy comedy uh, with Mace Windu in Jar Jar Binks and different perspectives on the Force. Uh, season six is amazing. Can't I wait to dive into those. Can't wait, because I remember, because this is, again, only 2014, I think, when these episodes were out. Mm -hmm. I just remember thinking, man, I love season six, except for there's some weird Jar Jar stuff, which means I'm probably going to love it more than anything now. I think there's a lot, maybe it's because it came out in 2014, but I feel like there are parts of, of season six that are like, D -d 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 why don't we talk about this all the time? Yes. yes. <laughs> and uh, this, this uh, two-parter has, has got some stuff like that. So can't, can't wait. wait to dive into the, uh, the buddy comedy of Mace Windu and Jar Jar Binks. Love it. Love it. Uh, Ken, what should the moral of this episode of our podcast be? When you're, Deep in the Star Wars podcasting world, don't let petty jealousies drive you to chaos. Focus on what you do and keep Palpatine from winning. Oh, yeah. Keep Palpatine from winning in the podcast, I think, is a, <laughs> in the, the, the podcast realm. Uh, don't let him take podcast power. I think that's a great moral. Uh, Ken, where can people find us? Hey, we are the Force Center Podcast feed. We're on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Another uh, live Q&A show will be coming your way soon, so we'll let you know about that. Uh, we are on Facebook as well at Force Center Podcast. You can get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Get an audio book on us by going to audibletrial.com slash Force Center. You can support us directly uh, at patreon.com slash Force Center. Don't forget, podcast is available in a lot of spots. Apple Podcasts, of course. But if you don't use Apple Podcasts, search and find us on the other platforms as well. You can follow me at Cadnapsack or go to Cadnapsack.com for more information on all the things I do. Joseph, what about you? Yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out all of my other comedy adventures, past, present, and future on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for that pod racing poster in Anakin's room, this has been The Clone Wars Report. <laughs> <laughs>